We have focused pretty heavily on the offensive positions in our debriefing so far this week with a lot of focus on the quarterbacks, offensive line, running backs, and the like. Today we're going to take a decided defensive tone as we talk about both defensive line and the cornerback positions for BYU, both of which are going to lose a lot of bodies. How do they go about replacing those guys after a fairly solid season from both position groups, all things considered? We're talking about all that on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, just by way of introduction, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU, particularly BYU football and basketball. We got you covered top to bottom, though, when it comes to the Cougars. And a big thank you uh, for your support, as always. If you've not done so already, make sure you join the subtext community. What it is, it's a direct line to communicate with me back and forth. Uh, it's a great way to uh, interact with the show. Uh, the hope is that we will build a thriving community there, and a number of you have expressed interest in helping support this podcast uh, more financially than ever before. It's a way to do that. It does uh, have a little bit of a subscription fee, 5 bucks a month, but you do get a 14-day trial to see if it's worth your while. Uh, let's just put it this way. It gives you guys access to me even uh, if I'm not off online. If I'm not on social media, it literally texts me on my phone and it goes right to your phone as well. Uh, I'll be able to pass along information single-handedly uh, right as it comes out, it feels like, as well. So really looking forward to the building a community there. And if you're interested in signing up, the links are in the show notes, both on the regular podcast feeds as well as on YouTube. All right. Uh, with that being said, let's get back into our position group debriefings. And I want to start off today talking about BYU's defensive line. I'm going to lump both the defensive ends and defensive tackles into this conversation. I could have split out both of them, but I just feel like with both of these position groups, there's a, a pretty uh, solid contingent of guys who I thought had very good seasons for BYU. The sad part is, is they're not going to be around next year for BYU. And that that is the kind of sad truth of the matter for BYU on the defensive front, is that there are some bodies that will be returning next next year, but the guys leaving the football program that is a cause for concern. So let me start off by talking about BYU's uh, defensive line as a whole this season. I thought, all things considered, BYU uh, made the most of what they had available to them. I thought that Sione Pua, as well as Kelly Papinga, tried to maximize the overall skill sets of the players that they had at their disposal. The problem for BYU this season was it felt like they were a razor thin in terms of the overall depth of the defensive line. I think that it can be pointed directly back to the previous defensive coaching staff's inability to bring in high-level defensive linemen and stock those cupboards. Uh, when I, I, I've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast that there were multiple circumstances late in the season for BYU, actually not even late, uh, even early on in the season, that BYU's backup defensive line had a number of former walk-ons and or low two-star type talents that were being called upon uh, to fill critical roles, especially when it came to getting your frontline guys uh, a breather on the sideline before they got back into the game. 
game. I think BYU made the most of what they possibly could. There were multiple times I felt like this defensive line more than held their own against what I would consider to be a more talented opposition. There are other times they got overrun. I, I would look at most notably at that West Virginia game. West Virginia may have had the most cohesive and talented offensive line that I have seen in the Big 12 this season, and they thoroughly ran over BYU, and I mean literally ran over them. They ran for 300 yards in that game, and BYU's defensive line, as well as the rest of the defense, was just no match for the uh, Mountaineers in that game. But there were other times against Texas, against Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State uh, for most of that game, BYU hung tough against some very, very talented opposition. And that's a credit to the coaching and obviously just the overall uh, play and the effort level from this defensive line. Now, Guys like Tyler Batty, uh, he was uh, named yesterday as a second-team All-Big 12 player. That's a great, great honor for a young man of his caliber. I really, really was impressed with what he put on film this year. If this is his final season as a Cougar, and I would think that he's all but said that he is done, uh, you wish him nothing but best and as he moves forward now, obviously uh, pursuing an opportunity to play in the NFL. But he is not the only one who I was really impressed with at defensive end. I thought Isaiah Banya had his moments. Could he have played more consistently? Sure. But Isaiah Banya showed up in big moments. I think none bigger it felt like than that. Uh, the there was like a what a jailbreak kind of blitz where he forced the fumble against Texas and and recovered that fumble after forcing it. It was really really fun to see Isaiah Banya when he was on his game. He was a very disruptive pass rush force. Uh, he has not declared whether he is coming back or if he's officially leaving the BYU football program. And I'm just gonna say this: I sincerely hope that he is coming back to BYU because I think he could be even better in year two uh, with. BYU than he was in year one and like I said it was not necessarily the most consistent performance and I think with him uh, getting some more work in this defense understanding the philosophy the scheme and just the overall comfort level of having a second year in the defense will go a long way to helping him out but if he does leave along with Michael Daly already announcing that he is entering the NCAA transfer portal when it opens next Monday and the expectation that John Henry Daly will follow his older brother out of the program via the transfer portal that leaves BYU with a fairly uh, thin uh, defensive end rotation right now. They have Bodie Schoonover, who is a high-level prospect out of American Fork High School that has not ha- uh, been able really to uh, really realize his potential quite yet. Isaiah Moa, the same thing. The hope is those two will take another step forward during this offseason and uh, show what they're capable of. Nuulet how Celestin was a guy BYU was very high on early on in the season. I believe he had uh, picked up an injury or two along the way during the season that kind of neutered his ability to make an impact but then Logan Latui uh, came on strong after being cleared from his ACL tear at midseason and I thought he had a, a fairly decent showing down the stretch for the Cougars but beyond that you also have Blake Mangelson there so it's not necessarily like I say I, I don't see a ready-made uh, defensive end I'm like okay that's the guy that's going to step in for BYU next year uh, I'm going to say it right now I think of all the position groups BYU needs to stock some uh, transfer portal talent with, the defensive line, I'm, we'll talk about defensive tackles here in a minute, I think the defensive line overall needs to have a particular focus on this. I would hope that they would not necessarily be all one and dunners because obviously uh, getting a guy for just one year, you're relying on him for 12 or 13 games and then you wish him nothing but the best moving forward. You'd like to have some continuity in this position group. So the hope is that, uh, like I said, Bodie Schoonover, uh, New Letow Sellison, Isaiah Mo. Lutui and Mangelson amongst that group of guys that they can make up for what guys like Tyler Batty uh, and Isaiah Banyal have brought even the dailies to a, a lesser degree 
as those guys may exit the program. Three of them, I think, are already on the way out. Isaiah Banyan is really the only big question mark. Now, at defensive tackle, BYU is losing a number of guys as well. Uh, we've seen Nisa Mahe, Caden Hawes, and also uh, 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 Jackson Cravens, who we had on this podcast last week. Those three are expected to exit the football program. If I'm not mistaken, Haas still has the option uh, to come back for another year, but he's similar circumstance to many of these defensive linemen where they've been in the program for just so long that he very well might say, you know what, I'm just going to uh, try uh, whatever is next for me, whether that is the pro ranks or whatever. But he is kind of the big question mark. The other guys are on their way out. Now, you do have more bodies at defensive tackle that are expected to come back. I know that BYU is very high on the potential of David Latu. Transfer from Snow College, got into school late, joined BYU midway through training camp this past August, and he had his moments for BYU this year, but it feels like as he gets into the weight room, works on his body, works on his technique, and the overall uh, just understanding of the scheme and philosophy BYU's doing, I'm expecting David Latu to take a monster step forward next year. I think he will be a starter day one uh, when BYU takes the field August 31st against Southern Illinois, barring something unforeseen, and he should be one of BYU's leading defensive tackles next year. I think that John Nelson, who suffered a pretty a bad ankle injury late in the season that uh, cost him uh, the back half, it felt like, of the season. Maybe a little bit less than that. The expectation is that he will bulk up. He has been kind of toyed around with. They had him uh, uh, slim down to play defensive end one year, bulk up to play defensive tackle. Uh, Excuse me, it was backwards. They had him bulk up to play defensive tackle, drop to play defensive end in 2022, and then they wanted to play defensive tackle once again this year, but when they made that decision, he was weighing probably about 280, maybe 270 pounds at that point. He needs to bulk up a little bit, but John Nelson is a feisty competitor, and he'll give his absolute all. Going into next year, I would venture to say that both David Latu and John Nelson are your one-two combo as you're starting defensive tackles. And then behind them, you're looking at guys uh, like a a Joshua Singh, who is an undersized defensive lineman, but tenacious. Uh, They list Joshua Singh at 6 foot, 275 pounds on the roster, and I love his ability. Just sometimes he, like uh, a guy like John Nelson, just size-wise can get over overwhelmed by bigger offensive linemen going up against them. Bruce Mitchell had his moments late in the season for BYU. Hope is at some point that he will be able to be more of a steady rotation piece for BYU. I just don't necessarily think that he's ever going to be a starting caliber defensive lineman, but the hope is he's still just a sophomore that he can continue to work on this. He's got elite size. Like you look at the roster, and Bruce Mitchell stands out six foot four, 300 pounds. That's everything you want in a defensive tackle for BYU. The hope is that he'll be able to build on that. And then the other player that they list on the defensive tackle roster right now is Wyatt Daw. So what I have been talking about here with both defensive ends and defensive tackles is there are a number of bodies exiting this football program. Uh, Quick count, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different guys, uh, maybe up to eight or nine that could exit the football program. And by the way, the transfer portal still is not open. Could one or two of these guys decide that they are going to exit the football program of their own volition and look for their next opportunity? That is a possibility. But I think overall, BYU, like I said, got the most out of what they had of an otherwise very thin defensive line. I'm just saying, when you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, eight defensive tackles on the roster, along with, I think, nine defensive ends, 
That's not a lot of bodies. Comparative uh, to what a number of other uh, offensive and defensive lines around the country will have. I think BYU's offensive line contingent alone goes 20 guys deep. They need to find some bodies, whether it's via the high school ranks, hitting the junior college ranks once again, or like I said, the transfer portal ranks. BYU's got to go out and find some dudes to come in and compete for playing time, if not find starting caliber guys. Now, that's easier said than done because the transfer portal, when there's a starting caliber guy that hit hops in the portal, guess what? Everybody of the 133 FBS programs out there is like, hey, we want you to come play for us. NIL is a factor here. BYU is going to have to be able to uh, come up with some cash to attract some of these guys. I know that Kalani Satake has said that he's not necessarily all that interested in begging guys to come to BYU. Okay, you know what? I think there's a caveat to that. If it's the right guy, he is more than willing to find a way to get them to come to Provo. But I, like I said, the, the overall letter grade I'd give BYU's defensive line, I'd give them a solid B, uh, I, I, honestly. And I, I know that may sound crazy because the defense wasn't all that great metrics-wise, but this was a, the toughest schedule in BYU football history. Ten straight Power 5 opponents, and more often than not, it felt like BYU's defensive line held up their end of the bargain. Now, I felt like the linebacking core, who we'll discuss at another point here in one of these future podcasts, uh, may have let them down at times, but I really feel like BYU's defensive line battled, they hung tough, even when the odds seemed to be insurmountable against them, I felt like their coaching and just the overall effort level was better than some may have given them, so I'm giving them a letter grade of a B uh, for how they performed this season. Now, like I said, there is massive Massive concern for the exodus of talent leaving the defensive line rooms, both defensive end and defensive tackles. Well, that's incumbent upon guys like Jay Hill, uh, Kelly Papinga, Sione Pua, even Kalani Sitake to go out and find dudes to come in and replace this talent. That is the big question mark going into this offseason, and we'll see how it all ultimately shakes out. But I really feel like that defensive line more than held their own. Now, we'll also talk uh, coming up here in just a minute about another defensive unit that I felt like was absolutely phenomenal. Maybe the best single uh, unit in terms of overall talent and production on the entirety of BYU's football program in, in the entirety of BYU's football program this season. That goes to defensive secondary in the cornerbacks unit. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Let's get a word in on our friends over at eBay. Of course, eBay Motors is here for you guys with passion, drive, and patience. Is what brings home the winning trophy. Is also what keeps your ride or die vehicle alive. eBay Motors has everything to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED high headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Simple as that. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory, my friends. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com right now. Eligible, eligible items only exclusions apply and of course ebay guaranteed fit is available only to u.s customers thank you once again for making locked on cougars your first listen of the day I want to remind you guys that locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus running all of our national shows covering every league uh, from that 30,000 foot view go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel now all right so we just talked about byu's defensive line let's take some time now and talk about byu use defensive uh, secondary, in particular BYU's cornerback unit. 
I I really feel like this defensive backfield for BYU uh, punched above their weight. Uh, a lot of people wondered, especially when the injuries hit in training camp, to the safety position, which we'll talk about at another time. Uh, there was some question, okay, do they move a cornerback back to safety? Well, BYU said, you know what? We're not doing that. We're going to rely on the guys we have in the safety room, and we're going to let our cornerbacks really do what they're capable of doing. And that came down to the two transfers in particular, Eddie Heckard and Camden Garrett, teaming with Jacob Robinson to make a formidable trio of frontline starters for BYU at cornerback. Eddie Heckard and Camden Garrett were everything BYU could have hoped for and then some. Both of them came to BYU with hopes of showing what they were capable of at the Power 5 football level. Both of them, I feel like, have probably earned uh, extra looks from NFL scouts because of their play for BYU. And the nice part is both of them, uh, similar to uh, what we talked about, uh, the, to, what we've talked about, is that both of them are honored with honorable mention all Big 12 status for their efforts for the Cougars. They will not be soon forgotten. I know they were one-year wonders in a way for BYU, but their production, both Camden Garrett and Eddie Heckard, it's going to be missed because BYU has some pretty big shoes to fill with guys stepping in to those roles next year. The hope is that Jacob Robinson will continue to take, take yet another step forward for BYU. He continues to kind of just be this unsung hero. He was a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to the nation's best cornerback. So he's getting noticed by people nationally, but I still feel like he gets discounted just because he's not necessarily the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, or the flashiest football player out there. But what he is, is he is a heck of a cornerback, and he is a willing tackler, throws his body around with reckless abandon, it feels like and just makes plays. Simply put, he is a playmaker of the highest order, and BYU needs that, obviously, with him kind of leading the way for BYU at cornerback next year. Because with Heckard and Garrett uh, leaving, that leaves you guys like... uh, Marcus McKenzie, who was injured at the t- uh, the back half of this season, will he get back to 100% health uh, quickly and be able to establish himself in training camp, uh, excuse me, not in training camp, in spring training, uh, to show what he's capable of and lock down a starting spot for himself? Or will the legend of Maury Bomba finally take the next step and really make himself an indispensable part of BYU's defensive secondary? Maury Bomba has the size that uh, coaches just crave in their cornerbacks. Six foot three, long arms, long levers, as they say, 180 pounds, seemingly can run with with anybody out there on the football field, can he refine his technique? Can he finally understand the scheme uh, to the level that he can come in and be one of those replacements for Eddie Heckard or Camden Garrett? That is the hope because, like I said, Eddie Heckard and Camden Garrett leave a very, very strong impression of what cornerbacks can mean to this BYU defense, and they need to have guys step up in those roles. I would expect that Jacob Robinson, Marcus McKenzie, and Maury Bamba are the trio that BYU's kind of penciled in for 2024 as your starting starting trio at cornerback. Obviously, I think Jacob Robinson probably moves into that nickelback role that Eddie Heckard filled this year, kind of a jack-of-all-trades role. But... I think that combo of those three should help out BYU. You would also hope that guys like a Jaden Dunlap, who was a pretty highly thought of junior college transfer coming into BYU, can finally take another step forward himself. He has been slowed due to some injuries in his own right. Quentin Rice continues to be shelved uh, due to some knee injuries. He has got good size himself, 6'1", 195 pounds. But we've just not been able to see him much on the football field. And then Evan Johnson and Zion Allen, they were two very uh, underrated uh, pickups that BYU brought in to two off seasons ago 
as high school talents, can they finally start to realize their potential as well as guys for BYU at cornerback? We're all about to find out. The one other name I'm looking forward to seeing what he's capable of doing as he gets ingratiated into this football program is Dylan Flowers. Dylan Flowers is a three-star prospect coming out of high school and uh, kind of got caught up in all of the, the hoopla of the recruiting uh, window when it came to the COVID years and ultimately ended up at Southern Utah where he played a decent amount, but uh, his talent suggests that he uh, should be able to fit what BYU is looking for, but the hope is that he'll be able to come in and show what he's capable of in 2024. So I, I look at the cornerbacks for BYU and say, okay, there was a great production. I, I Single-handedly, I think I said, this is probably the best single individual unit in all of the BYU football program this year because of the overall production, the fact that they were available Every single game, I'm speaking to the trio of Jacob Robinson, uh, Camden Garrett, and Eddie Hecker. I don't recall any of them missing a game. Maybe one did it here or there, but nonetheless, they were always out there, it felt like. And the nice part is, oh no, Camden Garrett did miss some time. Excuse me, I did. I do remember Camden Garrett missing some time. But nonetheless, they were dependable. They produced at a high, high level. And the nice part is, BYU does have similar, uh, similar to uh, what we're looking at in 2024. They had a good production uh, of guys that came in uh, via the transfer portal and also uh, via the high school ranks. The hope is that uh, maybe they can bring in a, a, a guy or two uh, to supplement what they have on the roster right now. But I think this cornerback unit has actually got quite a few guys who have the potential to step up and fill the roles that both Camden Garrett and Eddie Heckard uh, fill this year for BYU. Obviously with another year of understanding, growing in the system, working out in the weight room, working on their technique and their skill sets, I'm excited for BYU's cornerback position going into the future because there's a lot of talent there. The hope is that they can realize it. The nice part is you have one proven guy who feels like he is going to be the kind of that bedrock of this position and that's Jacob Robinson. And having him, it's absolutely phenomenal to have him in the mix here the hope is uh, that he will continue to just kind of grow and grow and grow into this role. And it just feels like, what is the ceiling for a guy like Jacob Robinson? Who knows? Maybe we'll really see it uh, at its zenith next year. But the nice part is, I would say for BYU's cornerbacks overall this season, I got to give him an A-. minus. Now, they, like I said, they weren't perfect, but uh, they are, like I said, the best position group BYU had this year. Our, like I said, is it going to be uh, where I'm going to be crowing about uh, this unit years from now, saying that, wow, that was a one-off? I I hope not, because I hope that the, the the guys like Eddie Heckard and Camden Garrett were able to dispense a lot of their knowledge and their understanding of this defense to guys like Maury Bamba, to Marcus McKenzie, Jaden Dunlap, Evan Johnson, Zion Allen, on down the list, Dylan Flowers. I hope that they were able to say, okay, I've played in Jay Hill's defense for four and five years. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to do. And here's how you are most effective in this defense. If they were adequately or able to, I guess, pass along that intel to any significant degree, that is going to bode well for the future of the cornerback position. And by the way, I'm not even discounting what Gennaro Guilford does as a cornerback's coach. There's a reason why BYU was so uh, hell-bent on making sure that he was going to be retained on Kalani Satake's staff, even after they blew Blew out everybody else from that defensive staff after the 2022 season. They know what he's capable of. He is a guy who relates to these young men incredibly well. He was a BYU athlete, had to leave uh, BYU due to some honor code issues, and then came back and ultimately got back into the good graces at the football program. And oh, by the way, was an absolute star along the way. There are none better uh, representatives of BYU football, in my opinion, than guys like Gennaro Guilford. He is an incredible human being. I've always enjoyed associating with him and does 
doesn't hurt, that he's an incredible technician, gets his guys into the right positions, makes sure that they understand what they're expected to do, and he really does hold them to a higher standard uh, as they go forward. So, yeah, I'm going to give an A- minus to the cornerbacks for BYU. And like I said, I solicit any of your guys' feedback on any of these position group uh, previews, uh, or debriefings as I call them, not previews, debriefings, looking back at the season that was, because I really do think that this cornerback unit was far and away BYU's best defensive unit. Um, we'll talk about some of these other defensive units and offensive units that I felt like had up and down seasons. There's some that are flat out, uh, I thought, uh, less than stellar, but others excelled. And I felt like the cornerback unit absolutely did that for BYU. So uh, the hope is that, like I said, the, the the legacy of what Camden Garrett and Eddie Hecker brought in their lone seasons as BYU Cougars will be kind of uh, passed on to the next group of guys. And the hope is that can build a really strong culture and hopefully uh, yield a consistent uh, identifiable play from BYU's cornerbacks going into 2024 and beyond. But I will not be surprised to see if BYU supplements that position group with a junior college transfer, some high school guys coming in. We'll talk uh, at a future date once the signing uh, period comes up about the incoming freshman for BYU. But uh, the nice part is also the transfer portal could play a role here as well. I know that General Guilford is very uh, judicious in how he goes about evaluating talent, but he more often than not knows exactly what he's looking for. And if he finds the right guy, do not be surprised to see him bring in a guy that he feels like can be uh, a competitor, if not an outright starter for BYU in that defensive secondary. And uh, you all you got to do is really turn on the film and show guys like Eddie Heckard and uh, Camden Garrett doing their thing. And any kid that's out there that's looking at a, looking uh, for a place to play would say, I can play that role? Okay, yeah, sign me up. I, I think that'd be a very, very attractive proposition for the BYU football program. All right, so there you go. Uh, my breakdown of BYU's cornerbacks. We will finish out today's edition of the podcast by talking about some of the other guys who were honored on the all Big 12 teams that were announced on Tuesday, excuse me, on Wednesday, excuse me. And we'll talk about all that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Let's get a quick word in on our friends over at Price Picks. Now, Price Picks wants to make it easy when you play daily fantasy sports because they are the largest daily C- daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's just you versus the number. Simple as that. Pick two to six players over under on their stat projections, and you can win up to 25 times back the bet amount. You can go from 10 bucks to 250 bucks, and you can do it with two taps inside the Price Picks apps. Think about that. You can make your selections less than 60 seconds, and you could 25 times your bet amount. Simple as that. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds once again and get on on it. The best part is they offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season and basketball season. And the best part is they're offering weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Uh, each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value for you, the consumer. So get on it today, get started, and play with our friends at Price Picks. It really is the best place to, uh, to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PricePicks.com right now slash locked on college and use the promo code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Once again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the promo code locked on college for your $100, um, excuse me, up to $100 match on your first deposit with our friends at Price Picks. It's all courtesy, once again, of Price Picks, daily fantasy sports 
made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder and the communities throughout the state. And the best part is they have communities, home designs, and price points all designed to meet your needs as a consumer. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in southern Utah near Washington County. If you want to get down to Red Rock Country, they've got all the options available to you. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories of townhomes. And the best part is they even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move right away. That's, that's a really, really nice feature as well. It's all courtesy of your friends at Perry Homes. So visit them at perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, Perry. PerryHomesUtah.com, if I can get that out of my mouth. Uh, once again, for 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. All right, a number of you have been asking about uh, in terms of uh, tickets uh, for upcoming basketball games. Uh, the way to uh, score tickets to the Evansville game on uh, next Tuesday, it's be December 5th, uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this. If you want to win tickets to that, I, I mentioned at the top of today's show, we have a new community on subtext. It's a way to communicate with me directly, get inside intel on the Cougars, uh, get notes passed along to you. You guys can ask your questions as well, and I'll get back to you. If you want individualized responses on stuff with regards to the BYU football, basketball, really anything else, uh, it's your way to contact me. Anybody who signs up uh, to, to subtext and sends me a, a note or sends me a text, I guess, via subtext saying they want tickets to the Evansville matchup. I have three pairs of tickets as well as a three packet ticket. So four people, four lucky people. And I'll just say the first ones to reach out and say they want to do it after you sign up via subtext, I will get you those tickets. The best part is I also have some parking passes for some, some of you as well uh, to be able to park uh, at, at the game. So if you want that, once again, sign up to, on our community at subtext, get, be a part of it. Like I said, it's a 14 day free trial to see if it's right for you. I think it's going to be a phenomenal way uh, to build the community around this show and hoping that you guys will be a part of it. But once again, if you want tickets to Evansville, uh, to the Evansville game for BYU basketball next Tuesday, uh, reach out now via our subtext. The link, once again, is in our show notes, and I'll also put it on social media as well. All right, before we go on today's show, uh, I already noted this a couple times earlier today, is that BYU had a number of players honored on the all-conference uh, teams announced by the Big 12. Uh, junior defensive end Tyler Batty, junior punter Ryan Rico, and sophomore left tackle Kingsley Suomataia were all named all Big 12 second team uh, Congratulations to all three of them. All well-deserved honors, I felt like, for their performances this year. All three of them uh, sound like they may be on their way out of the football program. I've got to hope that Ryan Rico maybe runs it back one more time, but I also understand he's been in college for quite a while and may ultimately want to pursue his professional fortunes, but we'll see. If all three of them do exit the football program, that is a great uh, showing for them in their lone season as Big 12 football players, and you wish them nothing but the best. Uh, also, uh, you have uh, uh, a bunch of other players who are honored with uh, with with, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, honorable mention. Uh, Eddie Hecker, Jacob Robinson, Max Tooley, Camden Garrett, Isaac Rex, Paul Miley, and Darius Lassiter were all named uh, honorable mention for their performances this year for BYU. The nice part is a few of those guys are coming back next year for BYU, while a couple of them may be exiting the football program like Hecker and Garrett, but you wish them nothing but the best, and honestly, you got to say thank you to them for their performances. They, they absolutely put on some very, very memor- memorable performances for BYU. 
uh, during uh, this debut season in the Big 12 Conference. Obviously, it did not end up the way that they wanted it to with a bowl game, but hey, nonetheless, good showings for all of them. Also, has got to say congratulations to both Brecken Mozingo and Leveni Vaca from the BYU Women's Soccer Program. They have been named a semifinalist for the Mac Herman Trophy. Think of it this way. It is a collegiate soccer's Heisman Trophy. Now, BYU is playing in the College Cup. They'll be taking on Stanford tomorrow night down in Cary, North Carolina, looking to punch their ticket to their second College Cup final in it'll be three years if I'm not mistaken if they pull that off and if either if BYU does pull off the win here I could see either Mozinga or Vaca winning uh, the Mac Herman trophy and be really really fun to see them get that opportunity but uh, we'll see how it goes this is voted on by the NCAA Division One uh, women's soccer coaches uh, as the most coveted honor in NCAA Division One soccer and has been awarded annually since 1967 there are 15 semifinals for 2023 I'm assuming there will be a group of finalists and the hope is that both Mozingo and Vaca We'll make that finalist list, but we'll find out when they announce that a little closer uh, to the end of the season. So awesome. Congratulations to them. And then the final note I got for you guys is BYU women's basketball suffered their first loss of the season on uh, Tuesday. Excuse me. Uh, They erased a 16-point deficit, but then their comeback hopes faded as BYU lost to Wyoming in Laramie 86-74. So it is the first loss between the men's and women's basketball programs this season. But the fact that they're a combined 12-1 and on the year, it's pretty impressive stuff for both BYU women's and men's basketball. So uh, BYU will be back in action. The women's team is headed up to Salt Lake to face Utah on Saturday night. There'll be a 7 o'clock tip-off. It'll be broadcast live on the Pac-12 network. You also can tune in uh, to BYU Radio as well. All right, so there you go. That's everything I got for you guys on this uh, Thursday edition of the podcast. A big thank you for all of your support. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. And thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow uh, getting you ready for a weekend of BYU sports. A busy Friday. Basketball, soccer, volleyball all in action. We'll have it all covered for you guys right here on Locked on Cougars. Have a great day.